millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I want to tell you something. My brain thinks Jude the Obscure and Ethan Frome are the same book. I've read them both now, and I know that they aren't, but there's no reasoning with my subconscious. None. One is by Thomas Hardy, and the other is by Edith Wharton, and you can't get any different than Thomas Hardy and Edith Wharton, though I must admit that my brain also confuses Thomas Hardy and Edith Wharton's bestie, Henry James. I'm sorry, but late 1800s white people... Greetings, Attic Wives, and welcome to Fuckboys of Literature. I'm your host, Emily Edwards. Ethan Frome is a weird-ass book. It's shorter than Jude the Obscure, so that's very nice. It's nominally less bleak, but that's just because it doesn't involve child murderers. But it is bleak, it is creepy, it is foreboding, and as we discuss in this episode, we feel justified, including it, in our spooky season program. All right, everyone. With me today, I have one of my dearest, favoritest people on the planet. Tav, how the hell are you doing? I'm doing great, actually. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, like it's been almost two years of like not going anywhere and not seeing people. Yeah. But my little introverted self is doing just fine. <laughs> You're like, I'm snug as a bug. Everything <laughs> seems fine. It's fine. <laughs> now I don't have to feel guilty about not going out greatest thing on earth it's so good okay we should say that like it's not the greatest thing on earth this is terrible and you know we have souls yes we also really like sweatpants and staying home with our husbands and not getting out of bed like great and it's like nobody judging you for not going out on a saturday night anymore i gotta say that's probably the nicest thing about being over 30 is you don't have that judgment yeah. Okay. So we have a lot of listeners on the show that are probably between like 22 and 27. And I'm just like, you all are dreading 30. And I'm just like, please don't, please don't. It's just the greatest it, time of your life. It works out really well. Like you still like, you know, enough that you kind of sort of have your shit together, like way more so than you did when you were in your early twenties. Mm-hmm. And But like, you can have so much more fun because yeah. the, societal pressures in a lot of senses like lessons i feel but you know i say that because i got married young i had two kids young yeah so i don't have those like well when are you getting married or are you gonna have a kid like so in some ways it's different for me um but i definitely feel like so many of the other like just stupid shitty things that happen with being 20 something just yeah. evaporate it's it really just nice evaporates it's so nice and it, it, that's such an interesting segue into the actual book that we're talking about today oh my god nothing but like women's roles and how they always fuck over men mm-hmm. yeah I, this book is okay to be perfectly honest i first read this book when i was 13 Wow, that's so young for this. For Edith, uh, right? 
Right. Yeah. It was it was actually my first introduction to Edith Wharton. Um, and I've read several of her books after that, but um, I first read it then. Um, and I was just like, this is great because yeah. it was so different from everything else because I read like the Anne of Green Gables series. I read Little Women. I read Pride and Prejudice before that. Yeah. And like those books are fantastic and they have these beautiful heroines who are just so strong and so um, – have such growth and imagination mm -hmm. and like yeah uh, those are the books that treat girls like real people which is really nice yes mm -hmm. but they also all have happy endings mm -hmm. and so this was kind of my first foray into a book that does not it is not a happy oh, ending. No. Like, I, I, first of all, because I'd read Age of Innocence earlier this season with Jason Diamond, I was expecting Ethan Frome to be like a long slog because, like, Age of Innocence oh, does yeah. not hold back on like description and stuff like that. And it's a beautiful book. Loved it. I love this one too. But I wasn't expecting Edith Wharton to be so terse and to mm -hmm. be so short and be so, well, like, Yankee with like the way that she describes everything. Yeah, I think that's one of the the things that I really love about this book of hers in comparison to the others. I feel like the others are a more like reflection of the society that she was a part of and, and where she lived and who she kind of ran with. But mm -hmm. for Ethan Frome, she really kind of took a step back. Um, and I love the way she just strips everything back and yeah. everything is sparse and stark and it's very deliberate and I love it I think it's beautifully done and I also think it it you know some people kind of go back and forth on whether or not she was a really great writer mm -hmm. but I think that this is proof that yes she was she wasn't just writing about what she knew all the time yeah no I I think she's a brilliant writer I mean her her morals and and biases and bigotry it's like notwithstanding we covered them um you know she, she was a bigot because she was a rich white woman in a certain time and she was a straight up bigot but her writing is dynamite and it's uh, it's one of those upsetting moments where you're like you are you are clearly an asshole because it it, it comes out in little bits like mm -hmm. especially in Ethan from because it's not that long it takes like two and a half hours to read like it's really yeah, short it's really short um and it comes out where you can tell that she has contempt for these people mm -hmm. but um it, it comes out in an absolutely brilliant evisceration of the society that they're living in Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't feel so much like she's judging them for them. Like she's mm -hmm. judging them as products of their society. And overall, she's making a commentary on like, this is terrible. It needs yeah. to not be this way. Yeah. Can you give us, just in case people haven't read this one, because I feel like it's, if you're given the option between like Ethan Frome and Age of Innocence, more people are going to go for the one with the really luxuriant movie with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. Can you give us a quick like rundown of, of the plot? <laughs> yeah. So the plot is basically that there is, uh, I, I kind of love it. There's this, these book ended scenes of this narrator who doesn't know Ethan, doesn't know his life or anything, but observes him and kind of gets to know him a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're thrown into this world that is primarily from Ethan's perspective um, uh, that happened 24 years previously that kind of explains 
why Ethan's life is the way it is now. Yeah. Um, and Please, the story. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. It really is. Story basically is Ethan is a, in his 20s and married an older woman who had come to help him take care of his dying mother. Um, their marriage ended up being very unhappy. Um, his wife is sickly. Uh, which is a really nice way of saying she's a hypochondriac. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he is left with his family farm and mill that's falling apart. They don't have the money to repair it. The farm isn't really profitable. They're just barely getting by. And his wife, Zena, has a cousin who comes to stay with them who is down on her luck because her father died in tremendous debt after raising her essentially in the lap of luxury. So she's not really prepared to like go out and do hard work or anything like no. that. Um, and she comes to live with them ostensibly to help take care of Ethan's wife. Um, and Ethan and Maddie end up falling in love and uh, his wife finds out essentially and sent, sends her away and Ethan uh, and Maddie attempt to kill themselves. Yep. And it fails miserably. The end of the book is essentially Ethan uh, introducing the narrator to his wife yep. and to Maddie, who is now just an even worse version of Xena. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's real dark. It's it it's It's really oppressively dark in for the fact that again it's not that long it's it's a novella at best yeah it's really it, to this is kind of hilarious because we're recording this around like spooky season mm -hmm. so i think there are a lot of things about it the way that she wrote it that to me are reminiscent of the rules of horror that edgar Allan poe gives in writing a short story Ooh. Because Ooh. he's like, you just yeah. have this one theme, you're super direct about it, you keep hammering it home, and it doesn't have to be long, because mm -hmm. it, it can be short, and I feel like she really, whether she actually did know about that, I feel like she executes it very well in the story. You don't necessarily think about it as being horror, but the mm -hmm. more you, like, dive into it, it really is. It's really gothic. Like, I never yeah. would have put this through that lens until you just mentioned it, but you're right. It follows all the rules of intensely emotional, intensely bleak, intensely haunting, spectral, gothic literature. You are in, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> Cause like I was looking at it through like the Puritan lens because she is a, she's from Rhode Island, but she spent most of her time in New York. And, and these people are very much in like Massachusetts. So this very like puritanical, very religious, um, you know, you do the thing and nothing else sort of society, but you are, oh, I'm good. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I love this. You're, you're, you're so smart. Oh my God. I love this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. I, it's just, to me, I, I feel that there are those elements to that. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong, but I think she uses them very effectively to kind of further enhance that sense of, of horror and, and helplessness and just yeah, complete and total despair. 
you know, because the narrator, he starts off by noticing Ethan because Ethan is always alone. And the other aspect of Ethan that he notices is the fact that Ethan is disabled and he has a very noticeable limp and he is very much um, an outsider and other in, in especially in like, because he only really goes to the post office. Right. Yeah. And like he, his... It feels very much like how people would approach, I want to say like the Hunchback of Notre Dame or something like that, where he's like a town specter. Yes, it is. But the thing that's really interesting, whereas I feel like in the Hunchback of Notre Dame, like obviously is very much an outcast and looked down on and sort of derided by the society, it's kind of surprising because Ethan is still very respected. Like, even though he is that specter of himself, Mm -hmm. essentially, he's not mocked, he's not made fun of. For the most part, everyone who knows anything kind of feels sorry for him. I think the only one who doesn't is Harmon. Yeah, yeah. He is just, let's get this out there a terrible terrible person yes he is yes he is um we i think there's an interesting aspect of uh ethan that is something that is particularly yankee now that you are basically married to one and uh you know even though he he thinks he's a southern gentleman but like let's just no no just because you were born in richmond virginia and lived there until you were 18 months old does not make you a southern gentleman i'm sorry (laughs) sorry he's from connecticut just like me yes um (laughs) you know the pity that is thrown on ethan is one of the worst things that like stereotypical Yankees can do to one another. Mm -hmm. It implies that he's not strong. It implies that he has sinned. It implies that he is not of the town because he is not rigorous and strong enough. Mm -hmm. He's just a, it's just a weird, weird reaction that they have to him. Like, and, and and he knows it. He can feel it. Do you feel like he just kind of like takes it on? I I feel like he's very aware of it, but like so much of the rest of his story, I think he feels powerless to do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, he, let's talk about Maddie. Huh. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) sorry yeah i know i'm supposed to like her are we for more on edith wharton's classic novel of despair and puritan shagging find fbol on patreon at patreon.com slash fuckboysoflit the link is in the show notes for as little as one dollar a month that's like 25 cents an episode you will access hours and hours of fuckboysoflit content If you can't spare the cash right now, I totally get it. It would help immensely if you could leave us a review. And for personal thanks from me, screenshot that review and send it to me on Twitter at fuckboysoflit. That's B-O-I-S. And you'll get my never-ending thanks. Now buck up, friends, because we'll be back next week with a conversation about sociopaths, as we are wont to do. I'm Emily Edwards, and have a good one. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. 
catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.